before we begin, I'd like to just take a moment. You know, in, uh, in life, there's just times that you, you'd like to stop and acknowledge different people. And I want to ask Lisa Toby to come up, if you would, with a cool hat. Yes, yes, yes. And Lisa has been serving on staff here for almost four years. And she will be leaving staff, won't be leaving Grace Chapel, but leaving staff. And I just, I just wanted to take the time to have her come up. And, and just appreciate the, the years of service that she put into Grace Chapel. I know she has had a profound impact on my life, all the things that you've done here at Grace Chapel, above and beyond, not just on staff, but as a, as a servant, you know what I mean? Um, you've been here since 2000. I mean, you've been here since the very beginning, so kind of a charter member here. And, you know, in life, I, you know, sometimes we, we just kind of go, life goes by, and you say, where did Lee, you know, she's not in the office anymore. She won't be in the office anymore, but she's sitting right over here, okay, right in this section, right over here. And I just wanted to take this morning, and I know from my heart, from the other people on staff, from the, the congregation, how much she has influenced so many of you, how many, how many people she's helped here at Grace Chapel. And I just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge that um, before she kind of steps out of that role. So, so let's just... Now, I, I know some of your minds go immediately to, uh, oh, give me a resume. I'm her manager. I take a cut of whatever. So if you want to try, try to hire her, but I love you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, so much for all you've done. You. So if, and, and do me a favor, take the next you know, a couple of weeks as, as you see her in the foyer and just take the time to thank her and acknowledge, you know, her service here. It's not ending. She'll be in leadership in other areas and those kinds of things. But, you know, I, I don't I just don't like things to go by without stopping to acknowledge people and what they've done. And she has been a profound had a profound impact on this church. And so let her know that over the next couple of weeks as you interact, maybe a note or a call or something that text her. Just let her know that, okay, uh, for encouragement. We are continuing our series, Remnant. And I have tried very hard to not, and even before, the, obviously you guys know me for many a long time. I don't ever try to water things down, but I've been trying to, to touch on topics that really have an effect on our personal lives. And here, here's one of the biggest reasons why. Um, if, if we are truly going to be, this isn't just the title of a, ser, of a sermon series. This is what I want to see as the, as the senior pastor of Grace Chapel. This is what I want to see us become a remnant that God uses to impact our culture and the culture in which we exist and this surrounding area, the Cincinnati area. I believe we can have a profound impact on our community if we truly rise up and become the people that God created us to be. That doesn't start with our actions. It starts in our hearts. It starts with our attitudes toward God and toward others. And so this morning, I, I want to talk about pride. And that is not a topic that most pastors want to really bother with because it's one of those things where, you know, everybody has to put their feet underneath the seat because it's going to, I'm going to, or the word of God, hopefully step on all of our toes, including mine. This is an area of life that we all need to, to work on. And unless we, in all the areas we're talking about, unless we, unless we make it personal and we think about it in our own hearts and we begin to change on the inside, 
then we're never going to have the impact on the outside that we would like to have in our families, in our community, in our church, around the world. It's not going to happen if God doesn't move in our hearts. So as as difficult sometimes these sermons are to listen to when it comes to applying them to your life, I really want you to take the time to reflect on what we're talking about this morning because there's no one here, I raised my hand first, there's no one here who does not struggle in this area, has not, is not, or will not in the future struggle. G.K. Chesterton said, if I had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. Pride is, the, pride is the most dangerous sin the world has ever seen or will ever see. And every single one of us needs to be acutely aware of that. We need to make ourselves aware of that. We should avoid pride at all cost. Please, with all of my heart, I mean, I beg you to, 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 to take this sermon and never forget it. Study, study pride. Focus on it. Reflect on it. Look at yourself in the mirror. Ask yourself questions. But deal with the issue of pride, not just this morning, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and the years to come. Because it is the most devastating sin. It will, it will leave a lasting impact on each of our lives, either people inflicting it upon us or as we do not control our pride, inflicting it upon other people. Over the years, I've watched so many good folks start out their Christian walk in the right way. They were doing really well. Our, we have our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Our, our focus is on God. Our heart is on God. Our commitment to God is there. We're fully committed to God. But then pride begins to creep in. And before we actually know it, we've changed. Our lives have been altered. We've wandered, if you go back to the last series with me, we've wandered from the good way, from the ancient path. And we've taken a new path. We've focused, we've chosen to walk on a, on a new path, one that blinds us from fulfilling God's ultimate purpose and plan for our lives. And it happens so subtly. It tempts us to believe that we're better, that, we're the, that you know, we are above it all. And, it, and, and our attitude begins to change toward God. That once deep love that we had for Jesus, that, that humility for God and the, the thankfulness that we once had toward God because he saved us and he showed us who we are and he's given us their, these gifts and these talents and abilities and we praised him for it. All of a sudden now it alters our attitude toward God. As followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be acutely aware of the enemy's goal to limit you or destroy you to limit your life or to destroy your life. The enemy knows, Satan knows, that for each one of us, God has a plan. What is the most effective way to thwart that plan? Pride. Pride, you watch other organizations, you watch businesses, you watch our country, it doesn't matter. It is pride that causes us so much wrong. There's so many things that go wrong in our lives, our relationships with our husband or our wife, our, our relationship with our children, not being able to say that you're sorry. It's that it's pride that wells up and destroys those relationships. John Ruskin wrote this in general. Pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. I totally agree. 
if you weave on back to why you acted and did what you did in that situation, it will always, almost always come back to pride. Pride. Of all the struggles that we face, pride is the one with the most devastating consequences, the most devastating results. And, and, you, and sometimes you don't even see it coming. That's, that's why I wanted to bring this up. Because sometimes we don't even see it coming. It just, it just comes upon us slowly. We're doing something good with the motives that we have, the majority of the motives that we have for doing what we're doing are good. But along with that comes pride and slowly but surely without us even realizing it, it begins to consume our lives. Pride creeps into every single opening, whatever opening, wherever there's a kink in our armor, pride will creep in, especially, especially when things are going well. When they're going well, you say, what do you mean when it creeps in when they're going well? It's a, it, pride is negative. Pride is such a bad thing. How does it creep in when things are really going well? Well, when God is blessing us, we, be, and it, we stop being grateful sometimes to the good things that he is doing for us or the good things that he has done for us or the good things that he has given us. God blesses you sometimes with some amazing opportunities, with some amazing things in your life. And, but we become prideful in those things. We become prideful when it comes to our family, when it comes to our career, when it comes to our church, when it comes to our education. When, when, it, when it comes to the neighborhood that we live in, the things that we have, the, the titles, the, the talents, the gifts, whatever, all of those things bring with them many times an attitude of pride. God gives us his blessing. He gives us those things for our good, but then we find pride in those things and they become something that God can no longer use. You know, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 leaves no mistake about how God feels when it comes to pride. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, it says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. Every day the traps of the enemy confront us. Every day those traps, they, they, conf- they confront us. And if we're, not using, if we're not using the wisdom that God has given us and we're not using the discernment that God has given us, we will fall into that trap. It's not even that difficult for him to trap us. If we're not using, if we're not thinking about it and we're not asking questions, what would Jesus do in this situation? How would Jesus handle those compliments? How would Jesus handle these gifts, these talents, these abilities, these titles, whatever it is? How would Jesus handle these things? Because they're not wrong in and of themselves. They're not wrong. To be gifted at something is not wrong. To be talented at something is not wrong. To be above and beyond a lot of other people in an area is not wrong. It's, it's wrong when pride begins to seep up and pulls you away and pulls you down. It's a, it's a trap that is very simple. It's a, it's a simple trap but effective trap. Use our weaknesses or our strengths against us. That's the trap. The enemy will use our weaknesses or our strengths against us. We think that we're better looking than, the, uh, than other people. 
I mean, compared to everybody else, it's like a leper colony compared to me. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we, we kind of had that attitude. So we're better looking, we're smarter, we're stronger, whatever it is. Whatever it is, those things begin to permeate your mind and the enemy will use those thoughts to lead you away from God's will and God's purpose for your lives. We use those, those, those thoughts begin to creep in and they take our eyes off of God and put it onto self. That's what, that's what happens in our lives. I've actually had these thoughts run through my mind. I don't, you know, maybe it's my sinful nature. I believe a lot, of, a lot of the time Satan pours into your mind certain things. But I've had thoughts that go something like this. You could have pulled that off without God. You, have, you, know, you, you, you could have you done that. That, that, that. That's not the, you know, um, you could have done that without. That's all about you. God or no God, you could have made that happen. Those thoughts go through your mind. And I know I'm not alone when those thoughts go through my mind. When you're at work and you, you, you closed that deal or you did something on that, on, that, on that board or you did something in your neighborhood or whatever the case may be, and all of a sudden the thoughts go through your mind. When, when you get to the point where it's time to thank God for what you were able to accomplish, those thoughts come in, well, you know, you didn't really need God to pull that. I mean, maybe, you know... Uh, there is a God. Let's not argue that, you know, but, but and you're a Christian and you're a pastor or you're, you're a whatever in your world. And, 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 but the reality is you didn't, you didn't really, that, you could have done that on your own. See, no matter how hard we try to gloss it over, to excuse it, to justify it, sin, the sin of pride always ends the same. It takes us away from the will of God. It takes us away from, from the, the will and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the purpose that God has for our lives. Arrogance and rebellion are, are basically the offspring of pride. Arrogance and rebellion against God. That's where pride leads us. It pulls us away from God. Always, that, that, the, I'm talking about sinful pride, always leads us away from God. Always. Now, you may be thinking, well, there, there, can, can I have pride in, in my abilities? Isn't it okay to have pride in my abilities to acknowledge that I'm, that I'm smart or that I'm talented? Absolutely. You absolutely can do this. There's nothing wrong with having a sense of pride in your accomplishments and in, in who God has created you to be. That's okay. That's not negative pride. That's confidence in yourself. God has given you these abilities. So you feel good about that. You can, you're, you're proud of that. You, you feel like you know, God has used me in a certain way. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. We talked about it last, last week. We said that God has given us gifts and talents and abilities and that we should use those gifts and talents and abilities to glorify him, to, to build his kingdom. We glorify God when we become the best at what we do and we honor him with that. So I want to encourage you this morning. You should be the best at what you do. Whatever God has called you to do, be the best. But be the best in order to give him the glory, in order to give him the praise, and not take it for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that good, positive pride. But make sure that it doesn't become all about you. The problem comes, like I said, when we use those gifts, those talents and abilities to puff up self. When we say, you know, we really don't need God. 
I really didn't need God to accomplish this. I didn't need God to get to this level. I didn't need God. I, I know there's a God and I know, but you know, it really was about me. It really was what I am able to do. And that's really where the, 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 the voice, that little voice becomes, becomes louder and louder in your mind that, you know, it is you. It isn't God. And you should give yourself a little bit of glory. You should give yourself a little bit of praise and not give that praise to God. There, there's where it becomes difficult. The, that line of thinking leads us away from him. That is so important. If we're going to be a remnant, if we're going to be the people that God created us to be, we have to keep our focus on him. Pride encourages us not only to take our focus off of God, but to think that we're better than everyone else around us. We're, we're it. I mean, everybody, I love everybody else, or you guys are all just wonderful, but the reality is I, I'm better than everyone else around me. You, you, get in, you get into that mode where you think pride makes you start thinking. Not only did you do it, you didn't need God's help, but you're better than everyone else around you. It blinds us. It, it, it totally blinds us, and we stray from our call. We, we stop submitting to God. We stop submitting to God's authority. We stop, we stop submitting to anyone's authority, because who knows more than we do? The boss is an idiot. This person's an idiot. Everybody's an idiot. Everybody's a fool. Everybody, whatever, you know more than everyone else. And that, it begins to creep into our being. So often our talents, listen, this is so important. This is what happens. So often the, the, the abilities and the, and the gifts that bring confidence into our lives, the things that you do so well, and you do them so well, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with that, and God brings them into your life. But the things that bring confidence into my life also bring with it, because of our sinful nature and, and the world in which we live, a fallen world in which we live, it also brings pride. So that which brings confidence, which is a good thing, I want to be confident in what I do. I want to stand up for God. I want to be bold. I want to do those things. It brings confidence. But with that gift, that talent, those abilities, that, those resources, comes pride. It creeps in and it consumes your confidence. Your confidence becomes arrogance and conceit. Instead of being something good that God has given you, it becomes something that is not good, that is affecting your life. It turns your focus inward into self-gratification. How can I gratify self? You stop thinking about other people. You start only thinking about yourself and how you can become greater, how you can do this, and everyone should kind of like almost bow down because here's who I am. We need to be careful that we don't fall into those traps. The process is often slow. It really, it, it may be very slow and usually is because that's the best way to trap people. The process may start out very slow, but ultimately it will consume you. Ultimately, when, when, when pride takes root, it quickly becomes all-consuming. It consumes your heart. It consumes your mind. It begins to dominate your thoughts and then it dominates your actions. You be, the, the thoughts that, that come into my mind and your mind, you know, you, the Bible says take those thoughts captive, okay? Get them out. Take them captive. Get them out. But what happens, we don't take them captive. And Satan starts pouring into our thoughts about this, and the pride begins to build up. And you start, I, I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were sharing with their hearts. They said, you know, I was the best at what I did, and I let everyone know it. And soon... As soon as everyone knew it, they took a, they took a step back from me. You know, they didn't really want to interact with me anymore. 
I used to be able to help people. I used to be able to interact and, and give good advice on these things, and people would come to me, and I would be able to support them. But that stopped happening because I allowed pride to dominate my confidence, and people saw it. It started out in the thoughts, then it becomes a part of our speech and our actions. God, on the other hand, wants to use those same abilities and circumstances to mold and and shape us. To mold and shape us. To have attitudes of love toward other people. To use those gifts, to use those talents, to use those, those abilities to lovingly express those things in such a way that we encourage and build up other people that we can invest in other people's lives. If you're fantastic at something, you can have someone come along in humility. You have someone come alongside you and you teach them the abilities that you have. You encourage other people. They say, oh man, you're so amazing. With humility, you say, I really appreciate that. You receive that. It's okay if someone says, I love the way you do this or I love the way you do that. You receive that. Don't get arrogant about it. don't, Don't be prideful. Just in a good way, just receive that. Thank you. I really appreciate you encouraging me. I really do. Don't, don't believe your own press, but just, I really appreciate that. And, you know, and, you know God really helped me in this area. I wasn't always as good as I am right now at it, but God really helped me. And, and I would love nothing more to share with you some of the things I learned from other people around me. God gave me an opportunity to be around some really sharp people. God gave me an opportunity to go to a really good school. And I'd love to be able to share with you some of the things that I've learned throughout my time because it's been a struggle. And you share those things, and all of a sudden you're raising someone else up and bringing them with you. Instead of you being on, you know, hey, here I am, wow, of course you're going to compliment me. Of course, because I'm the best. Instead, in humility, you give God the glory and you raise other people up with you. That's what God wants to see happen in our lives. That's how God works in our lives. He has a purpose for every single one of us, my friends. I said this last week. God has a purpose for every single person here. And he works through us to fulfill his plan, his perfect plan. He works through you. He works through me to fulfill that perfect plan. Some of our lives, by some lives, if you will, by human standards, are not as significant as others. We think that, no, this person does this and this person. These are more significant than this. But God sees every single life strategically as important. He sees them strategically as as, as very important strategically because each one of us god gives us we're a piece of the puzzle and and you think to yourself well yeah but look at me i'm 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 out front i do this i do that i can do this the people over here you don't really see them but i was using the analogy in the first service it just came to my mind that if you work on cars i have no i'm not a car person at all i'm not very good mechanically but i know this okay if i look in the engine of my car and there's a little piece way down there it doesn't look like it's doing anything it doesn't look as significant as that big part on the top. You know what I mean? That does that. It moves around. The thing, this thing spins and everything. It's like, I know my technical ability here. <laughs> you know, it's like, holy mackerel, you know, it's nothing. But I don't need it. I can put gas in it and oil, and I get my friends to fix it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you look in there. I could say, oh, what is that little piece right there? That doesn't do anything. Let's just pull that part out. Let's just pull that out. Is a car going to run very well? If it runs at all, it won't run as well because that piece has significance. It has its purpose. It's designed by the creator, if you will, of the car to do something specific. We in our minds think, this is, I am more significant. I am more significant than you. God, on the other hand, says that's not true. 
Every one of you is strategically important to my ultimate plan. Sometimes we get frustrated because we see someone else getting all the accolades. That's where pride comes in. But you have to understand, you have a significant part to play in God's ultimate story. And we as people need to recognize that. And so we're lifting up those who are behind the scenes and encouraging them and encouraging them and encouraging them so that they'll keep using their gifts, their talents, their abilities. Because I have learned one thing in life. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest lessons I've learned as I've gotten older And in the last 15 years or so, God has really helped me to realize I am not capable of fulfilling what he has for me to do with my life without you. Without the gifts, the abilities, the talents, the skills, whatever it is that you, you all bring something to the table that you invest in my life to help me become the person that God created me to be. I bring something to your life and invest in your life to help you become the person that God created you to be. You can't take us apart from each other. It's like pulling a piece of an engine out of a car. It won't run effectively. It may putter down the road and spit and spurt. Why do you think so many churches struggle in their lives? Because they, they have, some people maybe on the top have an arrogant spirit and all of a sudden that permeates down and it affects the whole, affects the body. We need to make sure that we're, we're focusing on God's strategic plan for all of us, not just for ourselves. See, it's, it's, it's when, we, when, we, when, it, when we in our hearts begin to think that we're superior to those around us that pride begins to poison us from the inside and keep us from God's will and purpose for our lives. We sometimes think, like I said, that we're smarter or more capable than someone else. But remember we talked about last week, we talked about Shamgar, you know, Shamgar's this farmer. Ooh, farmer. Shamgar has an ox goad. <laughs> I don't even know what an ox goad is, right? You don't even heard of an ox goad. Shamgar, with his ox goad, wiped out 600 Philistines, took on an army, and won all by himself. And my question to you last week was, what is your ox goad? And some people, I don't really know, and I keep on encouraging you to figure it out, to work, to ask God to help you to see what in your ox goad, it was a tool that he used to fight the enemy. It was a tool that a farmer uses. You have different tools. I have different tools. What is your ox goal? What has God given you uniquely, specifically, to invest in the kingdom of God? What is it that God uses? And the reason I'm asking that question is I just talked about. Without everyone understanding what part they play, we will not run effectively. We will not fulfill all that God has for us. This is why I'm talking about pride. We need to get this under control. We need to deal with it in our lives. We need to repent of it in our lives. And we need to begin to live the kind of life that God has for us, saying that we are all significant in God's plan. I am a part of that. You are a part of that. Figure out what your ox goad is. Each of us has been given that gift by God to further the cause of Jesus Christ. But to do that, To do that, to fulfill God's calling on our church as a whole, we need to be Christ-centered, not self-centered. We cannot be self-centered. It is not about me. It is not about me. I will be dead in 50 years or so. Okay? I won't be here. This is where we lose it sometimes. We think, oh, I'm so sick. I'm so important. What is the world going to do when I die? Like the same thing the world does when everyone dies. You keep moving forward. God has a plan for my life. I want to fulfill that plan for my life with all of my heart. I want to go out in the blaze of glory. I want to give him everything I have before I die. But here's the deal, guys. We are going to pass someday. 
This is a vapor. This is a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. That's our lives in many cases. And what do we spend most of our time doing, some of us? What, what, what's, the, what's the one thing that goads us, that hurts us, that affects us all the time? Thinking about what this person has or thinking how that person has a raise and I don't have it and they got, it, they got promoted or, or this person, that person. Think all the things that they're getting, the, they're, getting the, they're getting this and I'm not getting mine and it consumes us. It steals our joy. It steals our peace. It steals our contentment. Pride crushes everything good. It crushes everything good. Take Uzziah, for example. Okay? At 16 years old, Uzziah becomes the king of Judah. The Bible says that he reigns over Judah for 52, he reigns over in Jerusalem for 52 years. So he's the king now. 16-year-old king reigns over, uh, reigns over Jerusalem for 52 years. Second Chronicles 26, 4 and 5 says this. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. It goes on to tell us that he, he, uh, he built towers and he had vineyards. I mean, think about this in your own life. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm build, I'm going to do this. And nothing wrong with wanting to build some great things for God. But Uzziah was doing that. He, he built towers. He had vineyards. He had livestock. He had an army of 307,500 and he won a lot of battles. In, in, uh, in verse 15, it says, In Jerusalem he made devices invented for the use of, uh, on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could, stoop, could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the wall. His fame spread far and wide, and he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Then in verse 16, it uses that word that we should all try to avoid, but... He did all these amazing things, all these incredible things. Then in verse 16, there's a but. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. It always does. It always does. It always does. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord and burned incense on the altar of incense. He started to believe his own press, my friends. That's what we can't do. God uses me. I need to be humble. I need to bow my head. I need to say thank you. God gives me the opportunity to speak to thousands of people, millions of people, whatever else. You've got to keep your head bowed and you say thank you. If God raised you to the top of your company, if God makes you the smartest person in the school, whatever, you've got to bow your head and you need to say thank you. Because if you don't do that, pride will lead to your ultimate destruction, your destruction. Do not believe your own press. As he grew in popularity and strength, he started to think, I don't really need God, really. I don't. Everybody loves me. I'm wonderful. I don't need God. And began to slowly think he was above it all. He took that arrogance and that pride and started thinking, yeah, I'm above all this kind of stuff. And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2, it reminds us, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. My friends, if we're not careful, we will have the same attitude that changed Josiah. It, he changed. He was 16 and he needed God. He didn't know it all. He didn't think he knew it all. And he needed God. If we don't, if we don't, we're not careful, we will fall into the same trap that Uzziah fell into. And we will ultimately start believing our own press. And we will ultimately, it will ultimately lead to our downfall. If we're not careful, what changed Uzziah will infect us. I use that word carefully. Will infect us. It will infect us. It will go through our bodies, infect us, and will change us from the inside out. When he realized that his power and ability 
were, were all of that, and God had given him so many incredible things, he became proud, and he lo- no longer wanted to follow God. He no longer wanted to, wanted to seek after God. Wisdom, no, God's wisdom no longer led him to the places that he should be going. Instead, he allowed that pride to consume his life. Do you know the most dangerous people I've ever worked with in my entire life in ministry? In ministry, not outside of ministry. The most dangerous, the most godless, the most Christless people I've ever worked with in ministry are the most talented. They figured out what their gifts were early on, did not have the spiritual maturity to grow in their faith and humble themselves before God, and they allowed their gifts and their talents and their abilities to destroy them. Confidence came, pride came with it, and consumed them. They are the most, people in ministry, arrogant, prideful, self-consumed people in ministry are the most dangerous people you'll ever meet because they can do so much damage within the church and even outside of the church. They drag the name of Jesus Christ through the mud. God hates pride. He hates it. He hates it. So we don't want to become like Isaiah. He got a self-inflated, he got this self-inflated sense of who he was. And he goes and he, he's going to offer up, he's going to burn incense in the temple. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? But that's what God, that's what God asked, told him not to do. He did what God told him not to do. He was not given that authority. You think about it, Saul did the same thing. Saul did the, basically the same thing. He didn't want to wait for the prophets, so Saul then gave the, gave the, 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 uh, the sacrifice. And it led to his ultimate downfall. We find that in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. It leads to Samuel, it leads to Saul's downfall. He offers it up. If, if I can go a little bit further, I think it's the same thing that happened to David when he threw the Ark of the Covenant in the back of a wagon. You see, here's the deal. God gave the responsibility to the priests to do those things. They were to carry the Ark. They were to offer up the sacrifice. They were to burn the incense. But my friends, who needs the priest when you're the king? Who needs the priest when you're the king? I don't need those guys. Look, everyone loves me. God loves me. People love me. Everyone loves me. And so I don't have to obey the laws of God anymore. I'll just do what I want. And that way of thinking leads to pride. And it, and, and it leads us to think other things in our world like, I don't need her. I don't need him. I don't need you. I don't need them. I can do it all. Who needs the priest? when you're the king who needs you when you got me sure you help out a little bit sure you do some things but in reality it's really all about me see in jewish custom in history the the king was seen as a servant of god and was not given the authority was not given the authority by god to intercede and the Lord's throne in that way was not given that authority. But that's, a, that's really human history. That really is human history in a nutshell. God gives us talents. God gives us abilities. God gives us resources. And we jump ahead of him thinking that now we have more authority than we've actually been given. We can do it all. We don't need anyone else, including God. That's the thing. We don't need anyone. God blesses us. We get to a point and think, look, I've gotten to the mountaintop and look who got me there. Look at the good my shoes are. I'm fast. I'm swift. I'm smart. I'm whatever. I got, you know, I, and I know there's a God and I'm sure God helped me a little, but, you know, I got here by myself. And, 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 and in this case, we're talking about Uzziah. In this case, the priests were the only ones who were allowed to burn incense in the temple. They were the only ones to do it. But he steps out. 
blinded by his pride, felt he could overcome the law, felt he could do whatever he wanted, took his own path, and the results were devastating. They were, they were totally disastrous. Now, my friends, it may come in a subtle way or it may come in a more blatant way, but pride always ends the same way by destroying your life. Always ends the same way. Always leads us away from God's will. Always leads us away from God's favor. Do you want to be in the will of God? Do you want to know the will of God? Do you want to know God's purpose for your life? Do you want to know why you were created? Avoid pride at all costs because it leads you completely in the other direction. You will never know what God has created you to do if pride consumes your life. If pride is a part of your life. Proverbs 29, chapter 20, verse 23 says this, Solomon wrote this, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, it says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. In verse 19, It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoils with the proud. Pride causes us to do things on our own, believing we know best. I know best. I don't need to seek God. I don't need to seek your advice. I don't need to seek the elder's advice. I don't need to seek anybody's advice because I ultimately know best. I'm 51 years old now, been around the block, been around the corner, doing ministry a long time. I don't need anyone else's advice because I know how to do it all myself. I may once in a while ask your advice just to make myself look a little better because I don't want to look proud, blah, blah, blah. That, I'm telling you, that will destroy your life. It will destroy your life. We act like Uzziah plowing forward without thinking, without praying, without stopping, asking for help. Thoughtless, godless reactions always end poorly. Always. Always. Not just sometimes. Always. That's the thing we need to understand here. This is one of those black and white kind of no-holes-barred type of discussions. Pride will destroy you. Pride will end poorly. Pride will destroy your relationships. Pride will make people not like you, not want to be around you. It's always and the people who do want to be around you only want to ride on your coattails and pretend they like you because you they think you can take them somewhere they're not your friends they're your acquaintances and they want to ride your coattails and even that is bad that's bad when Uzziah was when Uzziah was young he realized he needed, he needed God. He realized that he, and, and, and because he realized he needed God, he spent time in prayer. He respected the priest and their advice. He asked for their advice. He took their advice. God did a miraculous thing through him. He was blessed. He was given all kinds of, of wonderful gifts and abilities. But as he got older, he listened to the voice of the enemy speaking into his heart, saying things like this, look at you, look at you. Look at all that you've accomplished. Look, look how everyone loves you. You are the man. You're the woman. You're the man. Man, everyone loves you. And, and none of this would have come about if it wasn't for you. Everyone wishes they could be you. And my friends, well, come on. I mean... You don't need the advice of anyone else because you know it all. I mean, you, you just sit back and listen to other people just to be polite, but actually you know everything they're going to say and you could have said it better and you could have done it better and you could have did, did it, all that kind of thing. And that consumes, that consumes it. It consumes Uzziah. Pride, pride is a trap. It is a, it is a trap. It desires only one thing for your life, to destroy you. It is a trap waiting to clench onto you and destroy your life, take away, limit you in some way. That's what it does. Pastors begin to feel like they're above it all. It won't happen to me. I can take chances. 
I can, t- I can counsel anybody I want for as long as I want, whatever else. I'm not going to fall in that area. I'm not going to steal from the church. I'm not going to do this. And even if I do, I won't get caught. Even if I do get caught, I can talk my way out of it. And yada, 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 all Satan pouring into your mind. All of a sudden, the trap closes, and you've destroyed your own life. You've destroyed your family. You've destroyed your ministry. You've dragged Jesus Christ's name through the mud. Politicians believe that their power puts them in a place where they don't have to obey them. Not all of them. And I... Obviously, they believe they're in a position of power. They don't have to obey the law anymore, that they don't have to obey uh, any, anybody's authority. They're above the law. They're above God's authority. And then all of a sudden that gets in their minds, but it's too late before they can realize it. And boom, the trap is sprung and they destroy their, their they destroy the opportunity that they had to be a servant in their community, to be a servant in their country, to be a servant. They've lost the opportunity. People in the business world. They think their money basically buffers them from the really poor choices that they're making with the business. And then all of a sudden, boom, the trap closes and they realize they were wrong. They've ruined their life. They've ruined the business. They've ruined the lives of other people, all because of arrogance and pride. All because, all because pride begins to, begins to whisper into our ears. Begins to whisper into our ears. Lies. And builds our arrogance and it builds our conceit and it builds, it builds all these things up in us. It whispers in our ears constantly all the lies that drag us down and destroy our lives in so many, so many ways. And we know it. You've all seen it. You've all, we've all been through it. We've seen it in other people's lives. We've seen it in our own lives. All of us have been through this. It whispers and feeds all of those things, not, not, good, not good pride in what you've accomplished, not confidence, but it feeds arrogance, conceit, and self-importance. You're the best player on the team. You are the best player on the team. What does that coach know? What could that coach possibly teach you? You've been doing this since you were in second grade. You've been sought after by other high schools to come and play for their high school. You've you got colleges looking at you. What could that moron coach ever possibly teach you? You're the best person in that business. You bring in most of the money. Even the other guy who made that deal is because of your reference, because of your move, because you bring in the most money. That company would be completely dead without you. It's your idea in that organization. It was your idea from the very beginning, even though someone else may have said it, but it was really your idea from the beginning. It was because of you. Everyone else just becomes a footnote to your greatness. Bit players in your big story. And it consumes you. You don't receive God's blessing any longer. People don't want to be around you. They tolerate you just because they have to because maybe you're in a position of power. But they don't really want to be a part of your life. They don't feel like you're a part of their lives. All they feel is like you've manipulated all of them in order to get to where you need to be. You know, pride destroys relationships and ultimately it destroys you. And I've watched some, of my, some people that I think are so amazing and so close to me, I've watched it happen to them. I want you to ask yourself a question. Do you give credit where credit's due? In business, at home, I don't care, neighborhood, on that board you're a part of. Do you give credit where credit's due or are you always trying to build your fame and your resume? With your money, do you think your money is your money or do you believe it's God's money? And let me ask you another question. Do you use your money to manipulate other people? You have it, so therefore you use it to manipulate someone else? Is that, I'm just talking in general. 
Because if you think, when you think it's your money, then you think you can use it to manipulate other people. If you believe it's God's money, then you won't, you won't do that. Because you realize you're just giving what has been given to you. It belongs to God. You're just giving it to someone else because you feel God leading you to do that. Think about that. These are, these are things we have to think about. When I, when, I, when I do certain things, am I trying to build God's kingdom or am I trying to build my own kingdom? Build up my own whatever it is, my own legacy, if you will. Whose kingdom am I, am I actually building? I mean, I, I think pastors should get to a conference instead of sitting around talking about how amazing their churches are and how incredible things. I think the whole conference should be about pride. I really do. And asking some really tough questions. Whose kingdom are you actually building? Do you see your people as someone to be manipulated? Do you see them as commodities that drop some bucks into the offering box and they can do something to build your kingdom? Or do you see yourself as a shepherd serving the people of the church, loving them with all of your heart, taking on their burdens, praying for them, encouraging them? Where do you see yourself, pastor? Where do you see yourself, business person? Where do, you see your, where do we see ourselves? We have to ask these questions or we're never going to get to the root of the problem. Do you see yourself as superior to other people in your your gifts, talents, and abilities. They're not a piece of... They're, their puzzle may not even... Who cares if they're even a part of the puzzle? It doesn't matter because you're the biggest part of the puzzle. You can work it without them. Is that the way we see ourselves, even in the smallest way? Cincinnati is one of the most self-promoting cities in the entire country. Not my opinion. I read it. Okay? They, they somehow gear, the, they gear these things out. One of the, one of two, number two and number three and most self-promoting cities in all, in all the country. We see it in the people sometimes. We see it in churches sometimes. We see it in business sometimes. We see it in uh, organizations. But self-promoting in the entire country. It is a spirit that permeates our area, a spirit that we have to pray against in our city, in our churches, in our businesses, in our personal lives. It is a spirit that we need to be praying against with all of our hearts, with all of our minds. If we're going, listen, I'm closing out here. If we're going to be a part of God's remnant, then we need to repent of the sin of pride in our lives. We need to. We need to repent of the sin of pride in our lives personally. Let's not put it on our city. Let's not put it on the church in general. Let's get real specific. And if you would, okay, I want to pray. And I want to, I want to ask us to, if you could, if you can, if you cannot, it's, it's not a big deal. But I would like us to get on our knees, okay, as a body. I'd like you to get on your knees and pray with me, if you physically can do it. Let's not just talk about this. Let's actually do it. God, we want to be your remnant. We want to be a voice in the wilderness. We want to be a people who seek after you, who follow after you, who humbly come before you, Lord God, And we ask, Lord God, that you would help each one of us right now in the quietness of our own minds to specifically think about an area of sin when it comes to pride that is a part of our lives. Where are we stumbling in this area? Where are we we allowing ourselves to be sucked in? Think specifically in your own mind, where is it? Is it you're, you're better looking than other people? You're smarter than other people? It's, it's all about you. Whatever it, whatever it is for you, God, bring that to our minds. Now, God, 
in our silence, we just want to pray individually first. I would ask each one of us that we would just repent of that sin of pride. Just ask God to forgive you. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Just ask God to forgive you for that. Now, God, I pray that you would help us to walk out of this place different people than when we walked in, that we would acknowledge the struggle that we face when it comes to pride, that we would fight it every single day, every moment, Lord God, that we would not allow pride to take root in our lives and destroy our families, destroy our our businesses, destroy our churches, destroy us as individuals, our friendships. Fight for us, Lord, and allow us to fight for ourselves. Give us the strength to fight for ourselves as well, that we would take every thought captive. Father, I pray that a, 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 a sense of, of, of humility would sweep over our church like never before. I pray that your Holy Spirit would bring that sense of humility and that we would be people who can be used by you, that you would be pleased to use, Lord, knowing that we're going to give you the praise and the glory. I pray that you would work in our city, Lord God, that you would, that you would help our city, our country, to repent of the sin of pride, Lord God, and that we would truly be humble people that we would desire to seek after you and ask for your advice and invite you into every area of our lives, Lord God. Pray that would happen. I pray that miracle would happen, but let it start with us. Let it start with us. I am the man. Let it start with me, Lord God. We love you. We praise you. Pray that you would use us. We pray that we would be open vessels, Lord God. Use us in a powerful way. Let us be your remnant and let us include others in all that we do. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great week.